to another episode of Perception Blurred Why Not. I am your host, David Jackson. Uh, we are finally going to get things rolling uh, with the Storyteller It Could Have Been Me uh, project that I've been working on for a while now. This is going to be both a podcast and we're going to do a video for this too, thanks to ESCAV, my boy Earl. He set this up with me. Uh, we decided we were going to take it seriously and do something a little bit uh, bigger and better uh, for everyone involved. Uh, today, not only is it me, but we have... Uh, Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Agent Prime. And D. Harris. We are going to be telling um, our stories. And what I mean by storyteller could have been me is what we need you guys to understand when we talk about Black Lives Matter and we talk about the things that are impacting us as black men and black women in the country is we mean that... Everything that you've seen, all these stories of police brutality, all these stories of people being arrested, all these people stories of people being killed, it damn well could have happened to any of us. And it very well has come close to happening to at least the three people on this panel currently. Uh, I am not going to tell, tell all of my stories today I, because I wanted to give the platform to Cajun and D. But I think you guys need to hear this. And a lot of people don't understand. We're not making this shit up. We're not being facetious. These are stories that happen to us on a regular basis and have been happening to us since we were children. So um, basically, whoever wants to start, uh, whatever you guys want to talk about, whatever experiences you've had. Um, let's go, I'd say, the earliest time you can think that you experienced dealing with a racial event. Either one of you guys would. We're going to let Cajun go ahead first. You know, C starts before D. So go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say go left to right. Uh, earliest event. You know, I actually had to answer this question recently, and uh, I'm not sure really it's just one incident. I, I grew up in East Cleveland, kind of moving all around it. I guess for me, it was just my childhood in general. Uh, we weren't really allowed to have fun. And I know that sounds weird, but whenever we had a collection of black kids, black, black anything really, we had a lot of block parties. There's always some kind of uh, police presence there where you don't normally see it. I remember very vividly if I went to visit, you know, my mom's friends on the nice side of the city. We could go to the playgrounds. We could go for walks. We could go basically anywhere. And I can't really think of a time where I saw a police presence. But you go back home at the playground on your own porch even. I can remember being eight years old. We're all just sitting there playing with our little wrestling action figures and we got cops sitting out on the curb just kind of watching us just just like that i didn't think anything of it at the time you know at the time it was just it was normal so this is stuff that you you kind of think of when you get older and then you try to explain it to someone and well, you already know what kind of stuff we get hit with right i mean and that's the thing is people don't realize this this thing weighs on us as uh people not just as black people as black men or black women this weighs as you on you because this is experiences we had from being a child to now. And you think about that every day. Like people want to are quick to throw up a term post-traumatic stress disorder, but they don't realize that as black people, we walk around with that on a regular basis, just from the way we look. Um, it's deep, it's weird. And it, it's a feeling that we never can shake because we never know who's looking at us. Funny. I mean, that, that's pretty much, that, that's the long and short of it is we don't know. We, we really don't. We don't know who actually we can trust and who we can. Well, on my end, um, well, does it have to be with uh, with police right away? Or? No, no, no. Because no, no. in general. Because those interactions like that didn't really ha start to happen to me until like a little bit later in life. But the, one of the first things I can remember um, as a child is one small instance where I was walking. Um, I think I was walking to school one morning. And I got a weird look from a, uh, from a white lady. I was like nine years old. My school was like literally around the corner. I just walked out because uh, I was living on 127th with my mom uh, in Larchmere in Cleveland. And I walked out onto my street and I started walking up towards my school. And as I look over, I see like she's already getting in her car or whatever, but she clutches her purse, older white woman. I'm nine years old. Yeah, I might have had a backwards hat on, but I was a kid. I was a child. I was still pretty much in school uniform, shirt and tie, you know, slacks, dress shoes. Just happened to have on, have on my hat. Same way I wear my hat today. It's 
something I never grew out of as a kid. But that was one of the I didn't think anything of it until like maybe a couple years or so later. We discussed that in, in, in fifth grade. I was like, huh. So that's what happened. So that's when we just really start learning about racism or whatever. And um, when I was not, shoot, I would say I was nine years old, so probably around 1995 or six. Okay. No, see, I'm asking because my pops lived on Larchmere for a uh-huh. while, so I was over there. I, I mean, no, like, <laughs> small world. He said the hundred. He's, 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 yeah, yeah, he's been following me my whole life, guys. So <laughs> I, I just never knew it. <laughs> Yeah, but then there was another instance um, when I first got to Shaker Heights High School, not high school. Uh, it was actually uh, the elementary school because the way Shaker is set up, you got K through four, I think, at one school. And then there's multiple schools with K through four. And then everyone goes to, to a particular school for fifth and sixth. And then everyone moves to the high school. So I was at this particular high um, uh, school called um, uh, Woodbury's for fifth and sixth grade and I had this teacher. And for some reason, like, he just didn't like me for some reason. Like, just didn't like me. I, I didn't know why, but there was one instance, instance where he actually took a book from me and threw it on the floor because I, I lost where we were when we were reading. It happens. Right. It wasn't like I wasn't paying attention. It happens. <laughs> right. Takes it, take, snatches it out of my hand, throws it on the floor, and then tells me to pick it up. And, like... After talking to my mom about that, she was like, well, that was a white child. He wouldn't have done that. My mom actually went off on this guy. But the kicker uh, of that was like, wow, you felt like you could do that to me. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm a child. I'm, I'm way younger and smaller than you. What was that about? And like, I didn't really think about things like that, like that, really, until I got older. Well, it's because you're a kid, man. Like, you're, yeah. we, we're, you're not supposed to, to feel that sadness that angst that negativity at that age you know? yeah and on top I mean, of that you don't feel it now but you, you, you don't even know what happened at that age you know right. what I mean? like whoa whoa like whoa okay that was that was something and i mean then you carry it with you like i said with the ptsd you carry it with you thinking that you did something wrong mm-hmm. that well what did i do you know what did i do wrong to make this person mad at me why did i maybe i did something maybe it was like the way i looked at him maybe it was the, you know I, I crinkled my paper too loud you know something like that but and th- this is what we try to tell people is like these experiences are different for everyone. We understand that white people have problems with teachers. We understand that white people have problems with police. It inherently happens to us more often than it should, especially when we're not, to be blunt, doing shit. Mm-hmm. When we're sitting around, minding our own business, or like you said, losing your page, losing a word in the book because you're trying to pay attention. But, you know, it happens. You get confused. You're paying attention and you're like, oh, wait, 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 hold on. Where are we? And then the teacher felt the need to throw the book on the ground. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Well, I do. I do have one more story about you know dealing with racism as as a child. Now, what happened with this particular situation? What's up? Oh, should I just take a pause? One. All right. Uh, do you said you had another story? Yeah. Well, this goes back. I'm. I actually skipped over it before, but. I was in a Catholic school called Our Lady of Peace from, I believe, second to fifth grade. I left in fifth grade, right? So by the time we got to fifth grade, we were in a section called the upstairs. So it was like K through four were all downstairs. And then because only one class per grade. And then we went upstairs um, six through I mean, fifth through eighth were all on the second floor. Now, at this point, we start trying to get a little taste of middle school at this point. So we start going from class to class or we switch teachers at some point during the day. Now, this one teacher, I'll never forget her. I'm probably not going to, I don't care. I'm going to say her name to this day. Uh, uh, her name was Miss Jarris. Anybody who went to um, Our Lady Peace with me knows this lady's name. The kids at that school were mostly black. Was what few white people, white kids sprinkled in, right? So all of our, all of the kids in my grade, especially, were little black boys. She made it her business to get. She even said this to us out loud in class. She said, "I'm going to make it my business to make sure each and every one of you boys get expelled one by one." 
she said she made it her business to do that, right? So at, at one point, something happens, and I, to this day, I think it was something somebody made up. Maybe she did it herself. She said she found a, it was a poorly written note, like, like a toddler had wrote it, with a whole bunch of different curse words and stuff like that on it. It wasn't even like, we never even got to see it. We just, it was just, the paper was just held up. And basically it said that she said that it was somebody in our grade that did it. So she would, so she separated us from all the female uh, kids in that class. And they were for, for maybe a week or week or so she was, she put them in one one classroom with another teacher and we we just had where we were to the point where I think maybe a day or two after all this happened, she said, I, 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 I'm determined to get each and every you, every one of you uh, kicked out. She said it again. And she said, I dare want any of your parents to say something to me about it. Cause I'm going to get each and every one of you kicked out of here. She kept repeating it over and over. She wanted us gone. Bunch of little black boys. Now, my mom not being the one for that, um, we had a, a big parent-teacher conference or whatever with all the all of the fifth grade boys and all of the all of the teachers. But she was the main one who got to, got to talk. And at the end, my mom never she never said I dare your parents to say anything. But I told my mom that she said this, and my mom she took that personally. She didn't say it's particularly to me. She said it to all of us, but my mom didn't like that. Right. My mom cornered this woman in a in a in a room, locked the door, and had another mom watching the door. And so my mother basically let her have it. She said, "If you ever say anything, can I cuss on this show? Yeah. She said, if you ever say some shit like that to a bunch of little black boys, Warren, was you supposed to be helping them and teaching them how to do right from wrong? And they look at you like she went off on this lady." She was literally trying to get us thrown out of there. I have no idea why. I don't think at that age, especially at that school, which was so strict, I don't think we were bad or anything. I mean, kids are going to be kids. They're going to do what they're going to do. I'm a martial arts instructor um, every now and again, like a volunteer from my master instructor to teach. And kids are going to act out. They're going to do what they're going to do. You just have to be able to be mature enough to handle that. But for any of the white students, like one, two white little girls that were in our class, they didn't get treated like that. I even saw, noticed that some of the some of the kids who who were more fair skinned that, that happened to be black were treated a little bit differently. Right. So it was, so that was one of my one of my earliest instances of dealing with that, and I didn't realize what exactly was going on. So maybe two or three years ago, when I talked to my best friend, his name was Marcus. He was in the, he was in that same grade at same school with me. And his father, and I was talking to his father, his father knew more about the situation than I did. And when he explained it to me fully, I, I, I got it. Yeah. I didn't know it was racism at the time. Because right. yet again, we're not, we, like a couple episodes ago, I did the episode about the talk, you know, and like, I was like 11 or 12 when I got that conversation with my mom, making my brother like nine or 10. But like, we're not programmed for it. But like, Cajun has been saying on Facebook, like I've been saying on Facebook, like you've been saying on Facebook. Um, if you can't handle being around people of color, you shouldn't be in these positions to where you're around them. You shouldn't be a teacher. You shouldn't be a police officer. You shouldn't be a doctor. You shouldn't be a nurse. You shouldn't be a firefighter. You shouldn't be a person that has to deal with black people if you can't handle dealing with black people. And too many of these people get these jobs. They're in these positions. They're they're given this, to be blunt, this power over us that we don't have. Because as a fifth grader, you're not allowed to say anything to that teacher. Nope. Even though that teacher is inherently wrong, if you speak up, then you're proving that teacher right. And you're just a badass trying to act out in the class and you get in trouble for it. Knowing damn well you didn't actually do anything. Now, what's funny to me, though, is as much as like I appreciate the video for what it was, there was that viral video going out a few years ago with the white kid with long hair flipping out on the teacher because of what they were teaching because they were yeah. teaching stuff wrong. If that was one of us, that video wouldn't have been viral for us um, walking out of class and having no ramifications. That video would have been viral because it would have been an example of what not to do in school. And that is, that, that's the terrible, the Absolutely shitty right. thing, but it's the truth. 
it's the truth. This is the, this is what we try to get through to everybody. And like, I'm not, we're not trying to be preachy. We're not trying to be repetitive, but the reason that we keep having to say this shit is because the same reason that we keep having people come at us and say, what about all lives matter? What about black on black crime? The reason we have these conversations is because y'all ain't listening. Like, I mean, right now, the, the four of us in this room, including Earl behind the camera, have all been through this. And we had these conversations with our families. We have these conversations with our friends on a regular basis. And I see a lot of my white friends that are fighting the good fight and everything. And I appreciate y'all. And I see a lot of y'all saying you're tired. And let me tell you, God damn it, I understand because I have been tired for 36 years. I'm exhausted. Hmm. Can't walk down the street without getting looked at funny. And everybody thinks we're making it up. This is why I wanted to do this storyteller project, because I needed to see from different perspectives that this same scenario happens to everybody you know, even the ones that you think are the, quote, good ones. This scenario happens to us on a regular basis. Because I don't speak uh, ebonically on a regular basis doesn't mean that I'm not accosted by the police. Just because I don't dress a certain way doesn't mean we're not stopped by the cops. Yeah, no, they see one thing. Right. No matter. Right. And it's, it's fucked up, like, to be blunt. Like, we just keep getting... The same thing happening over and over again. We're having the same conversations over and over again. And it's because y'all ain't listening. Until it happens to you, then you listen. But then you only listen when it is directly tied into you, not just to somebody you know, because we tell you this shit has been happening and nobody wants to hear about it. Like We've all been having these conversations with our families for as long as we can remember. And it, it, it's not new to us. It's just being televised. That's the one song that's wrong for black people. One of the black anthems, the revolution will not be televised. That's completely wrong, because yes, the fuck it is. We're in the middle of it right now. Right? Mm-hmm. You see this shit everywhere. Yeah. Mind you, it's televised because they show you what they want you to see. Yep. And I'm not going to be on the high horse of, oh, the media is controlling out your perception of everything. They're not controlling your perception of everything, because the, re- the, pro- the problem with that is we all participate in social media. We are now the media. So we control our own perception. We, we control what we want to see. And the fact that we are constantly ingesting people that look like us being harassed, being killed, six, six hangs in two weeks. Five black, one Hispanic, six in two weeks. And they're all ruled suicide. That's a bunch of bullshit. Right. One thing about us, we ain't going nowhere near no damn tree to be hung. Nah. We ain't tr- now, and I mean, to, to yet again, to be blunt, and I keep saying that, but to be blunt, if a black person is going to commit suicide by hanging, they're not going to do it in a tree. It'll be in their home. That is the psychological aspect of that entire situation. We're not yep. going to do it out in public, especially with the shit that's going on in the world right now. That's not going to be something we do. Man, I heard someone say, like, the cops are the ones that are finding these people and saying that it's suicide. And someone commented below saying, well, that's because they're the ones doing it. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it does. And again, I'm not, we're not going to be on here because I have to stress this. Black people did not start the ACAB movement. All cops are bastards. We didn't do that. That's not us. I have yet to even see any of my black friends. You I mean, that's my people. first time even hearing about it's that. White, it's all white friends. I had to ask somebody. I'm like, what is I keep seeing it. What is, what is it? I had to look it up because I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the problem with that is, and the, the, the issue that I have with it, as we're being lumped in with it. I mean, to deviate a little bit from telling our own stories, um, like I said in the For the Culture podcast that I did last week, we don't give a damn about cartoon voices. We don't give a damn about syrup bottles. We don't give a damn about rice boxes. That's not what we're asking. Pardon me. Black people did not ask for y'all to change Splash Mountain. We didn't. We don't care. We said, stop killing us. We said, stop harassing us. We said, stop locking us up for shit that is remedial that other people get like a slap on the wrist for. Mm-hmm. That's what we said. We said, how come we know people that got five years in prison for a dime bag, but Brock Turner got six months and only served three for rape that he was caught red-handed doing? We said, how come George Floyd didn't make it home off a counterfeit $20 bill that ended up being real, but Dylan Roof got walked out in a bulletproof vest and taken to Burger King for lunch after killing nine people. That's what we said. 
I mean, like, yeah, all those changes and things that people are making, yeah, that's great. But what about the cops? Right. Like, right. We didn't what, ask what are we, what are we doing about that? Like, what, what what's our next, what's the next thing is you're going to do about this? Are you going to have reform? Are you going to have defunding? Which, which kudos to the city of Minnesota for, uh, uh, um, was that Minneapolis up yeah. there? For uh, cutting their funding. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the other thing too. This is what we need people to understand. We are saying defund the police. We're not saying completely destroy the police department. Mm-hmm. We're not saying destroy the infrastructure. What we're saying is police don't need fucking tanks. Yeah, they're over. They're already overly funded to begin with. You don't so. need. What do you need riot gear for? They riot officers just showed up to Elijah's uh, vigil. Yeah, and they were when the kids were playing violins in the playing park. violins, oh. lighting candles. Why did you show up in riot gear? It's a show of force. It's literal dick measuring. It's fascism. That's the fascism that people keep. Oh, this is what you support? Are you a fascist? No, I'm not. That's what we're trying to get across. Right. Right. Yeah, if you're going to do your job to protect and serve, do that. But you don't need to, you don't have to go out looking for trouble. Right. And on that same note, too, looking for trouble. Like I've had, I had people when the protest was going on in Ashtabula. Uh, reach out to me asking if they should like show up ready for a fight, white people. And I'm mm-hmm. like, nope. That's not what this is about. It's a peaceful protest. Don't go looking for trouble. If you go looking for it to turn pear shaped, that's what the fuck is going to happen. Go being there to support your friends and your family. That's all we need you there for. And as I said, then after the protest, and as I'll say now, just because a few cops took a knee, just because this, the Democratic senators took a knee in kente cloth, which, again, they look ridiculous, just because you did some line dances with some cops and some National Guardsmen doesn't mean the shit is over. Yeah, but I always find it ironic how when, like, these tragedies happen, then we start seeing positive images of police, like, playing in the playing basketball with, a, with some black youth or things like that. Well, they stopped and they bought from that girl's lemonade stand and shut it instead of shutting it down. It's like, yeah, but two weeks prior, you shut down that lemonade stand. Yeah. Like, so let's not play this game. Uh, and, and, and the idea of, of a police officer fearing for their life from an eight or nine year old black kid, which is a position all of us have been in, is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, and we're not making it up. We're not lying. We're not embellishing. We're not trying to get clicks and likes because I don't give a shit if you believe me or not. But what I need you to do is I need you to hear me. I need you to hear Cajun. I need you to hear D. When we tell you about this shit, we need you to understand that this is real. This happens to us on a regular basis. Still happens. Still happens. Actually, you reminded me too. Um, I can't believe I forgot about this, but you were talking about notes in elementary school. My brain just went. Uh, first time I was ever accused of sexual harassment, I was in the third grade. What? Yeah, I was in the third grade. Uh, random teacher, it was a dude, uh, pulled our whole class aside. Someone wrote this note and he showed it to all of us, and it said, Baby, yo, as AZZ is banging, no G. Baby was spelled with an I, whatever. Separated the whole class, boys and girls. Then separated us black and white, and he had us all write out the note again, like to, I guess, determine whose handwriting it was. Nobody spelled it the way it was spelled on the note. Next thing I know, a couple days later, it's me and the other three black kids in that class are sitting in the principal's office. Here comes his teacher. One of them did it. And he was sitting there explaining to the principal how we sexually harassed this girl. Meanwhile, I don't even know what sexual harassment. I've never heard the term. Mm-hmm. This was the first time I can ever actually remember my life hearing the term. He's talking about molestation and rape and all these other things and basically trying to say that we need to be thrown out because he could determine which of us did it, but it was one of us. And the whole crux of his argument was because the spelling was bad and the handwriting was bad. At the time, I didn't really understand. He got the only four black kids in class. And then he started saying how... Uh, well, we're always running around saying suck it to people, which at the time, three of us thought we were Shawn Michaels. So I'm not yeah. even going to lie. That's man. wrestling. Right. Yeah. Like, we, like everybody was doing it. We all did the DX chop. But man, and, and you, you said what you said. And I was like, holy crap, I completely forgot about that. My mom ended up actually taking me out of that school. That was a 
I don't know if you know what Chambers Elementary is up in Cleveland. It's their accelerated elementary school program. Mm -hmm. I was originally in Caledonia. They pulled me out of that class to put me in a separate school for the, the smart kids. Yeah, yeah, no, being singled out among them. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, them. like misspelling and poor, yeah. poor, so, so here we are. Poor penmanship is a black thing. Right. But we're four black kids that made it into this program. Right. That you wouldn't otherwise make it into. Right. And it, it's, it's, I can't believe I forgot about that. It's ridiculous program. that we're looked down on like that. But people don't see it because, and this is the problem. When we're telling these stories, when we're having these conversations, white people don't believe us because they're not there to experience it. What's well, not the same? There's something that we missed. Right. It's basically. We did something wrong. Or, oh, no. Well, what about that time? Well, that has nothing to do with this. This I'm telling you, this is what happened. When I was, you know, uh, 11 years old, I'm riding on a bike down the street, and a little, a little boy that was three years old, a little white boy, just screams, hey, nigger, off his porch. That's learned behavior. It's a three-year-old child. I remember it like it was yesterday. For what? For what? But, you know, we make this shit up, though. When literally you can go into any bar restroom in any county in Ohio and find the N-word either painted over or etched into a stall right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely can. I mean, it's, it's frustrating, man. Swastikas. But, you know, let's still fight about the Confederate flag and how it's your heritage. It's, it's getting to the point, really, where people don't realize, like, not only are we exhausted, but we're consistently angry. Can I back you up for a second? Because yeah, I, have, I have a story to tell. Um, Cajun, you were there, but this may have been right before you, um, you, you pulled up. Because you mentioned my car show before we went on the air. And my team, Team Prodigy 216, is a, like, it's like a, not really a car club, it's like a group. So we threw a car show. And I don't know if you were there when this happened. But some we found out later that he was like 16 years old. He had a nice truck and he uh, it was a white kid. He came in there with two flags on the back of his truck. One was the Confederate flag. One was the American flag. First of all, I got some some info from one of my military buddies. You're not supposed to fly those flags at the same height. Nothing's supposed to fly higher than the American flag. Anyway. So one of our one of our guys, we call him Sign Man. Um, he's one of the ambassadors for the Cavaliers. He's he's uh, he's he's on our team and everything. So he's the first one to spot this. And he he's been through it all. He's been around a lot. He's like 60 something years old. And he tells he tells the kid to, to tear it down, to take the flag down or you got to go. You got to take that stuff down and get out of here. This kid is giving him so much lip or whatever. So I go over there to try to defuse the situation. Then another one of our uh, another one of our guys who happens to be an older white gentleman, he went over there tried to. This kid was not trying to take it down, and he starts the argument about how it's not racist, it's not this, it's not that, it's our heritage. But like that flag is a symbol of treason. You know why? Because they still wanted slaves, and then they decided to secede from the north. Right. This whole thing was about slavery. People that look like me who were kept in change because you guys wanted servitude. Free labor. So when we see something like that, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take your head out of your ass and understand that. Yes, you think it's one thing. You might might have been raised to believe it's one thing. It could even mean something completely different to you because how you were how you were taught, how you were taught what that means and 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 all that stuff. But at the, at the end of the day, the truth is. That flag is a symbol of racism and treason, which is also why they fly it, fly that flag at, 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 at anti-BLM rallies and right. KKK meetings and things like that. Right. There was just another case of a woman that was uh, flying it, shimmying with it, dancing with it and shit and saying, I'm going to teach my grandkids to hate all of you. And she, then she got fired and then she pulled the Amy Cooper, Amy yeah. Cooper special. She I just saw that this week. She apologized. I didn't know what it meant. No, you did you did. You said KKK for life, lady. Mm-hmm. And you were dancing with it. You said you were going to teach your grandkids. And it sounded like they were listening to black music in the background. <laughs> probably, were. probably were. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I said to someone recently, and I tried to break it down as simple as possible. It doesn't matter what you think or what your intentions are behind something like flying the flag. Yeah. If I walk up to you, you, anyone, and uh, punch them in the face, 
assaulted that person. That's what happened. It doesn't matter if I was raised to punch people in the face to say hello. It doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter how I feel about my actions. If you touch someone that does not want to be touched, if you tell a lie, if you, it doesn't matter what your intentions are, you did what you did. Right. Now, Flying speaking. the flag is the same thing. I don't care. My, my grandparents flew it. My family flew it. I was raised to believe it doesn't matter. It is what it is. It's a, it's a piece of racist culture. Right. It just is. Right. I, I don't know how else it's. I just shared it in my story. Um, it was an episode of Girl, Golden Girls that covered it with uh, actually Don Cheadle was on the episode. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and um, it was about Rose in the hotel and everything. Not Rose Blanche in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And she was flying the flag and he tried to explain it to her. And the best way he could was, you know, this is hurting my feelings, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes to leave and he like shucks and drives because he's trying to like get her to understand. And then the white woman that's there with them trying to check in goes, you should keep him. He's one of the good ones. And then Blanche is like, what did you say? And, you know, he goes, she says, I'm one of the good ones. And then he storms off and she follows him and she has that realization. It doesn't fucking matter what you think it means, like you just said. It doesn't matter what you grew up with. It matters the connotation of what it actually means. What matters is what that stood for for generations. And here's my thing. Why do you want to fly the flag of the losers? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you openly like, yeah, we lost. Hey, Dave, were you the one to share that one? Uh, I guess it was a screenshot from a grandmother. Okay, you looking at me, so you don't you didn't see this. So basically, this grandmother um, checked her grandson because he had he he was like thirteen or fourteen years old, and he he posted a picture of the American flag, like I guess bigging it up or whatever. And she commented saying, "Well, um, basically, she was like, you're German, Irish, and and probably Italian or something." She said, "Our family wasn't even over here in in, in the states while all this stuff was going on." If I ever catch you flying that flag again, I'm going to beat the piss out of you. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, grandma for the win. Man. Right, man. We need, we, need, we need more people like that. And the biggest thing is uh, we're supposed to be able to look to the older generation for wisdom and guidance. And we can in our own families. Yeah. But we're supposed to, like older white people that we've met, we're supposed to be able to look to them for wisdom and guidance as friends, as people that we've assumed were our friends. But some of those people have been the ones to stab us in the back. I have learned that. I started and, and, and you know, because my Facebook is mostly was used for um, for networking, like not just social networking, but networking when I was DJing and then when we had the, the Comic-Con mm-hmm. and all that. So I had over 1,800 friends. At the end of March, before all this stuff started popping off, I had 1,806 friends. I am down 33 friends now. I'm down. I've lost 33 friends that I've deleted and blocked since this all popped up. That's because probably more. Right, that's just the ones I've let go, and probably the ones that deleted you too. Right, and it's just because you don't. We don't know. But I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this on record for anybody that wants to listen to this. I'm not joking about this shit. I'm not playing. So if you say anything that is a sentiment that is not relative to Black Lives Matter, if you if you say Blue Lives Matter, you say White Lives Matter, or you say anything that is not actually what we're talking about we're not friends i'm not making a joke out of this i've had to let one of my one of my people go on um, on social media for basically saying that it, it's a, it should be okay to run run over uh protesters and things like that right. and and getting more upset about the looting than what the whole but situation it's funny because they don't have that same energy mm-hmm. when the anti-maskers were rushing federal buildings yeah when anti-maskers were in cops' faces, I didn't hear a single person say "Blue Lives Matter." They were exercising their second. And somebody made a great point. Uh, I think yesterday I saw this on Facebook. I'm not sure if it was a meme or somebody made the post, but I do remember reading it. It says, "You guys have a problem with Black Lives Matter, but you don't have a problem saying all lives matter, and you're perfectly fine with saying Blue Lives Matter. So your problem with Black Lives Matter is clearly the word black." And it's funny because you say all lives matter, but then you don't have that same energy at the border. I don't care how they came here. I don't care what they did. They're children. They should not be in cages. Mm-hmm. They should not be in holding facilities. They should not be being mistreated. But we are because truthfully, you don't give a shit. 
And to, to, to say this clearly and um, as eloquently as possible, again, while two other black men are on this podcast with me, the Black Lives Matter organization is not who we all speak for when we say Black Lives Matter. The Black Lives Matter organization is not the people that you think they are where they're attacking people. That's not true. As my brother said, there are radicals in every group. Mm -hmm. There are people that will use this movement to their advantage, both black and white, much like there are people that will use any positive thing that white people are doing to their advantage. But y'all don't say nothing about that. I can throw on khakis and a blue shirt and go run around beating up Target employees and holler Walmart rules. Right. That doesn't. Right. That don't represent Walmart. Right. Walmart. Then that's, d- d- we got to shut down all Walmart's now because because you obviously work at Walmart even though you don't. But that's the same idea. That's the same idea, and these people don't understand it. And these conversations are getting tiresome. Like to, to it's infuriating. I'm tired. Man, feel the same I'm way. tired of being tired. And it's, at right. this point, we had this discussion before, Dave. Like, these people, they do understand. They get it. Like, like I'm at the point where, like, I'm done. I'm done educating people. This is this has gotten to this has gotten too ridiculous. I'm done educating you. You know what the fuck you're doing. You know what you're saying. Exactly. I don't know if you're just trolling or trying to, or you, or you just refuse to accept the truth. It's, it's not our place to educate ignorance. This point, it's just people. And it's a lot of these people. You're not gonna like. I had a I had a pool. I, I typed out maybe four or five lines that are, as a reply to somebody, and I never get into like, you know, arguments and back and forth on Facebook or whatever it is, because especially with a person like this, I really I'm not gonna change this asshole's mind anyway. We're just gonna wind up in the back and forth. I'm not gonna change your mind. You already have this 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 effed up notion in your head. Of, of, of what you believe and what, or, and what you think of people that look like me, but you justify it by saying, oh, well, my, 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 my friend's black, my, my wife's black, right. my, 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 well, you're doing them a dessert. Oh, I don't see color. If you don't see color, you don't see my experience. Right. right. So you, you don't get it. If, if you don't, I, I say this all the time, if these people had one ounce of humanity in their soul, they would understand it. Right. If you have one ounce of humanity, and that's not to say that we're not going to educate those that want to be educated, because mm-hmm. there are people that don't understand. There are, but those people are the ones that are reaching out to us, I mean, asking us questions. The guy letting us sit here now, right? I mean, he, he was just sitting here before we went live, well, not live, but and he's asking questions and talking and just right having a conversation. That's right, really all we want. <laughs> like what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break for station identification. We're going to. Throw up a quick ad for the people that are doing issues space to record this right now, and then we'll be right back. Thank you guys for listening. Hold on one second. This recording is brought to you in part by the friends and family at Burkett Smokehouse. If you want authentic northern barbecue with the benefit of southern hospitality, come on down to Burkett's in the Astorville Harbor. Located right next to the lift bridge, their menu includes traditional favorites like barbecue ribs and smoked brisket. If you're feeling adventurous, try their award-winning Brunswick stew or smoked sweet tea. Located again in the historic Astorville Harbor, right next to the lift bridge and behind the Harbor Perk. I've been coming here for about 10 years. Be sure to check them out. Tell them I sent you. All right, welcome back uh, after that short break. Thank you to Burkett for letting us be here. Um, so we're back again. We're going to keep going with the storyteller stuff. Uh, D has a few more things that he wanted to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. Wow. Take it away, brother. Well, we were talking about the it could have been me stories, and um, I got a few of those. And this was like, I'm fidgeting around as I'm talking about this already. I didn't realize how much I fidget when I start getting uncomfortable talking about stuff. And my shoulders are tight and everything. <laughs> but um, the first thing that comes to mind, um, I mean, this is not going to be in order, but I'll take this back to 2008, which was a heck of a year for me anyway. <laughs> a lot of stuff was going on in my life. And I think I was like, what, 21? Yep, I was 21 years old. So one Friday night. One even Friday night, it was uh, like probably 4.35 o'clock on my way home from work. Still living with my mom at the time, so I'm driving through Shaker Heights because my mom lives on the other side of Shaker Square. So I'm driving through Shaker, and I saw all of a sudden I see a police car come around the corner, like past the front of my car coming off of a, of, of, of a side street. And I look up, and I see the, the officer look down to my vehicle. As he passes me, it's not a stop sign, so I'm not going to wait for it to turn green. I'm starting to go at that point, you know what I mean? (laughs) So 
as I'm driving, it's like he's going to try to pull me over. As I'm driving, lo and behold, I see him make a really, really big illegal U-turn, loop around and speed up to catch me. He was going at least like 40 or 50 at this point, flying to catch me, right? Uh, at one point when I get to, I, I make a ride onto another street and I come to a stop sign. At this point, I see him coming up on me with his lights on. Granted, I did not stop right away because at this point, I know where my best friend's um, grandmother stays, her, both her grandparents. And it's like, if they're going to pull me over, they're going to pull, like, I don't know why I thought that at that point, but I was like, if they're going to pull me over, I'm going to make sure that I get pulled over in a space that someone knows me. You know what I mean? So if I need somebody to come outside, I will. So I'm on the phone with her at the same time. I said, the police are pulling me over right about now. I'm in front of your house. Please come outside. The second I hang up, and the car is completely stopped at this point. The second I hang up, driver, turn the car off and dump the keys outside. I do that. And then they told me to reach outside the door and open the door and put my hands up. I glance over my shoulder. I have guns pointed at me. I look back up in front of me. There are two more police cars. There are two cops behind me and another car behind them. They grab me, they put me in cuffs and they sit me on the sidewalk and they search my car. They search my car. I don't know why I didn't consent to search. I didn't consent to a search. I didn't do anything to warrant it, a search. They said they saw me reaching for, for, for something and I had my license. I think I was grabbing my license as I was on the phone. I mean, I don't know how you could see all of that with, all, with everything going on. Luckily, my, my, my best friend's grandmother, I call her Grammy because she's like my, my extra grandma. And I told him, like, as, as they getting ready to, like, detain me or whatever, I said, that's my grandmother right there. Like, she's right there. Like, so I'm thinking, like, if you guys are going to kill me, I got proof of what happened. So they they searched my car. They told me, okay, we didn't find anything. But one of our guys just um, just got killed uh, last week during a traffic stop. And uh, we could never beat you. So I'm like, well, what the f like, All this? For, for what? For Oh, yeah, well, your music was loud when we drew, drove by. First of all, it wasn't. It was not even halfway up. But I, I, all of that happened for me to get a loud music ticket. I could have lost my fucking life that day. That, that shit sticks with me to this day. And it does. And, and this is what we try to get through to everybody. Is you see the George Floyds of the world. You see the Breonna Taylors. You see the Tamir Rices. You see the Trayvon Martins. You see the Eric Garners. But what you don't see is the people that you know. That you talk to on a regular basis. That are your friends. That are your family. Because for one... Aside from talking to each other about this, and, and, and to be blunt, the black community, we don't tell everybody about this shit all the time. Because A, we don't want to relive it, and B, because we don't want to burden our friends that don't have to deal with it with our problems. White people don't see it like that. Like, they don't. Like, the reason that Jeannie knows about our stuff is because she's my wife. Like, and she's been with me every time in the last 10 years that this shit has happened. I take my wallet with me to take the trash out because it's 200 feet from my door to where the trash goes. I take my wallet to check the mail because it's 200 feet from my mailbox to my door, my doorway. And it's, and from my experience, bro, it's not even just, I mean, when it comes to policing, yes, black people and black communities are definitely over police. But when it comes to the, the white cops, it's just not them because we were talking about another experience that I had back in 2016 um, I got pulled over again. And this was, and during this time, I was fed up because I had been pulled over like two or three other times before this and, and, and let go because of, because of different equipment I had on my car. And I have a list of the laws saying I'm allowed to have this. And they're just trying to fuck with me at that point. So this time in particular, I get pulled over by a black state trooper. He, as I'm driving, he says I was, I was speeding going about 90. He was already pulling over another car. And as they're pulling over, he leaps, he hops alongside me, says, get behind me. I didn't know why he was telling me to do that, but I did. I thought he might have, I thought it might have had something to do with the other car. Maybe they cut me off and I didn't know. He said, you were speeding. I was like, okay, well, he said, get in front of me. He's being rude at this point. Get in, get, uh, pull in front of me while we're pulled over at this point. Pull in front of me. I'm not getting hit because of you. Like, 
trying to have a conversation as to what's going on is detrimental to his health. So I pull in front and I wait. Hindsight, I should just drove the fuck off. He didn't run my plates or anything. But I was like, I ain't got nothing to hide. I wasn't speeding. So he finishes up with the other car. And I was like, is there a problem, officer? And, and, and I started asking, like, he just asked for my, for my, for my driver's license. And I was like, is that necessary? Because I haven't even been told what I, what, I, what I had done. Like, formally, no. Like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And, he's, and the first thing he tells me was, you're, you're, because I was like, I know my rights. You just can't really, like, just pull me over and say, your right is if a, if a police officer stops you and asks you for your license, you're supposed to give it up. I was like, first of all, that's not even fucking law. You can see Delaware be proud Terry versus U.S. All that stuff to to learn about having reasonable suspicion for crime for detainment, and you just can't stop somebody and ask for ID. You can't do. You can't fucking do that. Right. That's not the way it works. Right. So I, I noticed, and he's cutting me off. He's trying to he's trying to escalate the situation. I probably look a little younger than I was at the time. I was like twenty. I, I was twenty nine when that happened, I believe. So I understand I've been told I look like I'm in my early 20s sometimes. I get it. Maybe he thought I was a young punk kid. I was polite. I wasn't rude. And I, and I told him, like, he's, he's like, well, if you don't give me your license or whatever, I'm going to impound your car and I'm going to lock you up. And I said, well, you can't do that. But just for the sake of, you know, not having this escalate any further, I'll give you my license and stuff. So now he, as he's being rude and completely a dick about everything. He realizes my phone's running and my, I, I keep my camera with me as well. So my camera is also running. He said, Oh, you got a camera in your car. I got a camera too. So now we're all being recorded. And then he, ch- and when he sees they're still running, he says, well, uh, I guess he thought I was bluffing or whatever. He said, well, I, I, I don't mind you um, filming, but if you're going to be like taking pictures, I said, no, I'm making a video. And, and it just made me so mad. That like, I just I couldn't I couldn't freaking I couldn't wrap my hand or head around it and still to this day I can't and after all of that happened there wasn't there was an instance where I filed a complaint and I had I sent them the same video that I, I put on Facebook and everything and the person who I guess got the complaint said um, well oh well we lost the video uh, like I guess the, it was a DVD I put in a, a Big middle envelope with my complaint in there and everything. This little fruit fly flying by my face is gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, during that time, during that phone call, he said, "Well, um, can you like email me the video?" And I did. And then the thing he asked me was like, "Well, so what do you achieve? Want, want to achieve with this complaint? Do you just want me to tell him to um, to like not be rude and 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 uh, be be a little nicer to people?" I was like, "I want you to fucking do something." I was harassed. For no for no reason. Doesn't my car attract attention? Yes, I get that. But I was not doing anything wrong. And there were like plenty of people flying past me. He said, I clocked you at 90 miles an hour. When I first saw the police officer, he was sitting still. He pulled over another car, sped up to catch me, and made me get behind him. It, this it was it was completely it was a crazy situation. Like the way he was acting, he wasn't like rah rah losing his mind, but I could have lost my life that day. And this is a black cop. It, it, all the only thing they see is blue at that point. Like right. I, I have no idea what, what the hell his problem was. But, the problem but, of is the, the sense of power and the sense of control. A lot of times these people put on a badge and they carry a gun and all of a sudden it makes them better than everybody. Well, look at, uh, I was showing earlier that video earlier. Look at the black cop that was challenging everybody to a fight. Yeah, he changes to him quick. He all swole up and everything, challenging everybody to a fight, ready to fight, ready to box. Until people were like, all right, bro, let's get in the ring. And then he said, what do you say? Boxers, people that have been fighting for 300 years, and now y'all want to fight. He's like, yeah, but you called everybody out. Shit, I fight his ass. Right. Shit. Right. So you don't don't act all hard and shit. And then when you get reprieved from it, you get pushback. And all of a sudden, you want to punk down. This was your idea. See, it doesn't matter. Like, bad cops are bad cops are bad cops. Black, white, purple, pink, whatever the fuck they are, bad cops are bad cops. What we want is we want police reform. We want to not have our children telling these same stories 10 years from now. And it's, it's messed up. And uh, one of the um, Joe's, my, you guys know Joe, his brother, I interviewed his brother Terrence for my, uh, my web series not too long ago. Well, actually, it was. Wow, this is back in 2017. <laughs> Time flies. But yeah, I interviewed him. 
And one of the points he made was he he was basically saying, because this is around the time that the uh, um, Alton Sterling situation happened. He's he and during the show, he made a point saying, it's just crazy that at this day and age that I have to worry about that I could possibly lose my life because of simple misunderstanding with a police officer. Right. And it, it, it's it's a fucked up reality that we deal with. Like, my thing is, if a black person is telling you something, because I've, I've had people within uh, the car community that are, that are white, like, mention something about, like, yeah, I bet you, your car is fast, blah, blah, blah. But I say, no, I bet you drive crazy. I say, no, I don't, because I already get messed with enough having this car right. and being black. And their, their reaction, oh, come on. Right. Like that's gaslighting. That's what they're doing to us. Like, it's because we're, 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 we're making it up for attention because it doesn't happen to them. Like, and my thing is, if you don't share, I'm going to cut you off, Dave, but if you don't share that experience, right. if you don't know what we're dealing with on a daily basis from like trying to change our speech patterns to depending on where we are, having to, having to be cognizant of every single thing we say and do, Bro, not to come off of a, as a threat. And you yeah. have no idea what the scope is. You don't have the lens for that scope to even have an opinion on how I feel. And you don't get to tell me how I feel. Right. And if you do, fuck you. Not only do we have to endure code switching for work, for work, because all of us work in some form of customer service. Not only do we have to endure changing our speech patterns for work, we have to do it in everyday conversation out and about when we're just out in public. Because if we say the wrong thing, if we sound the wrong way, or I say, hey, what up, my nigga, from a distance, somebody might take that the wrong way. If I say, hey, what's good, fam, from a distance, somebody might take that the wrong way. Somebody might automatically be scared of me. People have been clutching their goddamn purses around me since I was nine years old, man. Nine. So, like, you don't get to say that we make this stuff up. You don't get to tell us what the experience is. Just like as men, we don't tell women what they should feel. And men shouldn't tell women what they should feel mm-hmm. about these situations. So you don't get to tell us as black people what we should be feeling, how we should re- be reacting, and what we should and shouldn't be saying. Yeah, it's not like, the way this works. It's even just situations like in some of the Cajun's posts in the past I've seen. Like It's just from situations where you're minding your own damn business. We have to worry about that, too. I can recall, man, I just thought of another story. Bro, this was back when I was doing a video project for my, I think, was it Media Production Techniques? I'm trying to think of what class it was. I was at the University of Akron. I was still in school at the time. It's 2011, and I came home one weekend. Me and my my partners and myself, and then like two or three of my other friends, because they were helping me with this project. Two or three of my other friends that were working that live in Cleveland. I think my partners had left, and then my other two my other two guys who I was with, we were just going over the footage for the day from the uh, in, in my on my front stoop, just sitting in the driveway. I'm looking at looking at stuff on my front stoop. Just looking at the stuff we did for the day on the camera. And all of a sudden, a police car pulls up. Once again, another black cop. I think it was a white cop with him, but it was another black cop. And he was, he he came out and he said, um, is you guys having a party over here or something? I said, no, we we're working on a school project. Uh, well, whatever you do, keep it down. We got reports of a party. I said, there's nothing to keep down. We didn't do anything. And then he walks away for a minute, him and his partner, and they go to like two doors down. It's actually at, a, at, a, at, his, at this one guy's house I went to high school with, this white dude. And he's talking to the lady. I guess that was his mom. He's talking to her, and he's got the flashlight. He flashes it on us like three times. At this point, I was like, what the fuck? I called my mom and told her to come outside. She came outside in her robe, and she was pissed. She said, excuse me, is there a problem? Like. These kids are from the University of Akron, even though I was the only Akron student that was there because everybody else had left. And, she, and he now he's all polite. So, oh, we got reports of a party or whatever. Somebody, one of my neighbors, who's probably that, that who, who he was talking to, they called the police on us just for being out fucking side at 8.30 at night. Because it was around that period of time where it's starting to get dark. Dusky, uh, but not quite dark. Yeah, well, it's like in the spring, so it's starting to get darker later, but mm. it, it was still dark at that point. And he, he accused us of having a party. He t- kept telling us to keep it down, or and he and he was rude. Like he was just fucking rude for no reason, and, like trying to like bait us into like arguing with him or something. 
they look for a fight so they have a reason. Like what happened? Like, like protect and serve is a fucking lie. Like it is. Like it's, I, it's, it's not. It's not protect and serve is not a statement for us. It's, it's like it's the barricade shit. Punish and enslave. That's exactly what it is. It is. It's, it is. And this is what I mean. And this was the entire point behind the idea that could have been me. Is y'all never know what could have happened to the people you call friend. You never know who could have been in the possession of George Floyd. Who could have been in the position of Ahmaud Arbery? Who could have been in the situation of Breonna Taylor? Who could have been in the position of uh, Rashad Brooks? That could have been anybody. That could have been anybody that's involved with this project right now. That could have been any of us. You have no idea, like, all the emotions that you go through. It's, like, so fucking many. Luckily, like, by the grace of God, I'm still here. I'm, I don't know or even care what anybody else believes in. You do, you do what you do. But by the grace of God, I'm still here. Like, I, it's been several times where I could have just wound up dead for no fucking reason, right. J- just just for being myself and trying to exist and mind my own. Like I don't understand this whole age of people not even being able to mind their own fucking business. First of all, right. but I'm still here. But the emotions you go through, let me tell you, it's it's anger. You, you're you're scared. You feel helpless. You and you feel you definitely feel like these people are going to get in trouble because they're the person that makes they're the people that are supposed to make people get in trouble. And, 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 and it just hurts. Overall, it just hurts. It's it's sad, and people don't realize it. Is we wake up. Honestly, I wake up every day when I have to leave the house, thinking, "Is today going to be the day that somebody calls the cops on me for living my life, and I don't make it home to my daughter?" Is today going to be that day when? This is tough. This is tough for me to say. I, I always get fucked up when I think about this. The video of George Floyd's brother with his daughter on her shoulder on his shoulders, where she said at one of the first peaceful protests, my daddy changed the world. All I see when I watch that video is my brother, you two, Jeannie, my mom, my dad, my stepdad, my stepmom with Layla because something happened to me. And that fucking kills me. And people don't understand it. People don't understand why why it hurts so much to, to put myself in that situation because I've been in that situation to where it could have been me. It was almost me several times in my life. It could almost be me again next week. I, I'm not even going, I'm not going to get into a whole story right now because we're running over. But when I worked undercover security, I caught a kid stealing and the fucking cop believed him when I worked for the company. Well, he said he didn't do anything. You want to watch the tape? I got him doing it. He said, you hit him in the face. If you want to watch the tape, you can see where I didn't hit him. We can't even go to work. Actually, it just popped up in my memories from this time last year. Uh, you probably remember when I was bugging everybody about DirecTV, but I was working out of the Sam's Club. And at the time, I'd been there for about four months, and I got a report from management that I had to stop bringing my, my work bag inside, which had my skirt, you know, a couple flyers, like some just other random related stuff, an iPad that I did my job off of, because there were concerns that I was I was hoarding weapons in the store. I had already been there before. My, I, again, it just popped up. I almost reshared it. I don't know why I didn't, but like I was reading it. It was like two, three days ago. I was like, yeah. So management told me I can't bring my bag in anymore because there's concern I have weapons on me. And I was dressed mostly like this, shirt, tie, because that was the dress code for the job at the time. I didn't even have all this hair. It was a nice shortcut. It was, man, like, we're not even allowed to just exist without someone assuming. Michael Chase said it best. And he said, Black Lives Matter. Can we just say Black Lives Exist? Can we just have that? Yeah, it matters the minimum. Right. You know, it just... It hurts. It's crazy. But yeah, be sure. Be sure to know for anybody that's listening to this. Um, in the black community, we got y'all. If you ever need anybody that's involved with this project, all you have to do is reach out and we'll talk to you. We'll listen. We'll be there. If you need somebody to pick you up at the police station, you need somebody to show up because you're being pulled over. Anybody, most of the people that are listening to this, y'all know how to get a hold of me. Y'all know how to get a hold of D. Y'all know how to get a hold of Cajun. And soon you'll be able to reach Earl through his <laughs> information and stuff as well that'll be attached to this podcast and this video that we do later. We're not done. This isn't it. This ain't it. We're not done. We've got plenty more stories to sell. 
we got plenty more people to talk to. We're, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep bringing these stories to everybody. We want y'all to listen. We want y'all to hear. And we want to be and we need to be heard. These are the stories that need to be told. We want to speak for ourselves. Right. For that matter. Without. Right. I want. I wanted. Everything hashtag BLM doesn't necessarily mean it's something the three of us or anyone we know are trying to say. And that's right. kind of what we prefaced earlier. And, and the biggest thing. Without without trying to be too overly morbid, I want these stories told before something potentially happens to anyone, any one of us. I want people to know the people behind the story before that story is spun the way they want it to be. I want to know that if anything happens to me, these are the stories y'all are listening to. This is the voice you hear, not what the media paints me as, not what the police paint me as. Not what the police paint Cajun as, not what the media paints him as. Same with D. We want you to know that these are our voices. These are our stories. Whoever is involved with this project, these are our voices. These are our stories. You need to hear it from us, not from anybody else. And you need to hear it the way it happened. And bottom line, we don't get in trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, 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 look, I stay out of the way. Right. Like, I don't I avoid right. police at all costs. I mind my business. I go to work. I come home. I spend time with my lady. I play my video games. Real work talk. on my car. Anything. I just mind my business. So, for, so if anybody ever says anything, like, God forbid anything happened to me before before it's time. But if anybody ever tried to say, anything, oh, uh, D did this or 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 and, and he said that, like, no, it's a fucking lie because I don't I don't live my life that way. Right. My my goal every day I wake up is to be the best person I can be that day. Any altercations the three of us have had with the cops has been without a, outside of our control, for the most part. Yeah, that's, that's what it is for. That's what it's like for a lot of us. I, I know you're trying to wrap up, but I, I have to say something. Oh, um, especially with the night get you in trouble thing. We got you got seven minutes. Seven minutes. All right, I'll make it super fast. We all we all know what kind of relationship I just got out of last year mm-hmm. that culminated with me going to jail. And I'm gonna tell you guys something. I haven't told anybody. I told David this. I haven't told anybody else um, while I was getting booked in. And uh, there was an officer and we were talking. I explained the entire situation to him. Might as well just say it because I'm talking about it. So uh, I was dating someone who had a drunk driving problem. Uh, I showed up one evening to the bar where I knew she was on her expired license while she was drinking and I took her car keys. That led to the police being called and my eventual arrest a few weeks later um, on assault charges and things of that nature from taking her car keys. Uh, The officer who booked me in, and he had a nice long conversation with me, he apologized to me for the situation. It was a white guy, I will will never forget this day for the rest of my life. And he said to me, exact words, for someone that looks like you, it does not always pay to try to do the right thing. Those words, this was a police officer who put me in handcuffs saying those words to me, and I, I will never forget that for the rest of my life, ever. Mm-hmm. So we got to mind our own fucking business now. I mean, no, we shouldn't have to, but that means, and, and you know, the, <laughs> five minutes, all right. Yeah, the most, yeah, no, I had to. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Man, it just, you're good. The most fucked up thing about that entire situation is three. the three people that have been talking to you guys this entire show have three of the biggest save the world complexes I've ever met. The three of us want to help people when we can, but we can't do that all the time as black men because we look like the bad guy. I'm literally a fucking superhero who's just like has been forced to stay home. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm the Luke Cage of Northeast Ohio. How the hell do you think I feel? <laughs> man, oh, he got video. I'm trying so hard not to cry on this man's video. No, bro, I, I, I teared up with the George Floyd thing. I get it. So in, in wrapping up this episode, I want to say I appreciate you two brothers for coming on and telling your stories. Thank you, man. I know we have more stories to be told, and there, there's more for us to get out. We could talk for days about this shit. Uh, the one major thing I want to say is thank you all for listening. Um, this, I believe, I'm going to start season two a perception blurb with this because I did 20 episodes of season one. I think we're going to jump into season two with this. This will be the, the start, the jump off, and we're going to try to keep pumping out content at least every week. I don't know if it's always going to be storyteller stuff or if it's going to be, uh, obviously it won't be all like the stuff with ESC 
AV right now. We are going to be working on that, though, and getting some stuff together with Earl and the D. Harris brand. And uh, we're going to be getting in touch with uh, the Flock Productions, my cousins, and all of them. We're going to be doing some stuff with them, too. Um, but the biggest thing I want to say before we end this, the, to end on a note of absolute uh, uh, righteous anger, today's a good fucking day to arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Y'all fired the dude. Lock his ass up. It ain't that difficult. Don't understand what the problem is. No, no, not warrants are bullshit. You don't do them to anybody that you need to do them to. Stop fucking with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more thing: Black Lives Matter. 